Well, hello, everyone. Good morning. Just a couple announcements for youth. First one's kind of sad. We are not meeting this Wednesday for Crossroads. But we will meet after the next week. Um, and another exciting thing is we had our uh, youth event to Defy, um, which is not as bad as it sounds. It's actually a really cool, um, how would I call it, foam pit jump house. And so we have some photos. This is all of us beforehand when we were full of energy and excited. Uh, and then, so yeah, they had a rock wall. And of course, you see all that colorful stuff that's foam. You fall and you're like, yay, I didn't get hurt, but it's so hard to get out of the foam. Um, so if you ever go, just know you have to like roll over it to the side to get out. Uh, here's a picture of the girls. And look, they're smiling, but this is like towards the end. And as soon as the photo was done, they were like dead tired. Um, and then we got us, the guys. Serious face, yes. So yes. Yeah, so they, they give you grippy socks, you know, because you're bouncing on trampolines, all that fun stuff. Uh, so we had a blast. It was two hours, uh, and we were, we were tired. And we definitely enjoyed some in and out afterwards, and it was just a fun youth event. So uh, that's all I have for youth. So, Mark, take it away. Thank you. Um, just some uh, reminders. Um, we have, again, if you're new with us, whether you're online or here in person, just by ways of being able to communicate and know what's going on at the well, we have welcome cards in the back of your uh, seats, and we'd love to get to know you, and if you want to give us that information, we would appreciate that. We have an app that you can uh, get, and uh, a church email list that you can be on, and a very informative website, and if you need help with any of that stuff, you can see Jordan, who was just up here announcing youth-related stuff. Um, also, just about giving, again, just thank you so much for your generosity. And just to remind you, you can give here in the boxes by each door. You can mail. And actually, more and more people are giving online. That's a really effective way to do it as well. want to remind you just about some upcoming events. The Good Friday service at Libby Bowl is on the 15th of April at 630. I am um, guessing that we are still uh, looking for volunteers to help with um, doing communion. If you'd like to help with that, you could see Tyler Larson. Um, next, uh, our Easter celebration is going to be obviously on Easter, and uh, we invite you to join with us. Um, afterwards, we're going to be having a, a very fun-filled egg hunt, and the next slide will just remind you that we are still looking for uh, donations of pre-filled Easter eggs. So that's like go to the store and they already have something in it. Okay, so that's what if you want to buy those and uh, donate those for the egg hunt, that would be great. Um, the grief and loss group that uh, started sometime in the last year here in Ojai, it's down, meets down at the Baptist Church just down the street. They normally meet on Tuesdays. Nor, and just this week only, they actually had to move it till Wednesday. So the meeting is at Wednesday, this Wednesday, 4 to 5, down at the Baptist Church, just to update you in case you are uh, participating in that. Um, the last uh, little group of messages, I'm sorry, uh, announcements have to do with Mexico. As you might know, there's now 21 of us who are going to Mexico from May 8th uh, to the 14th to build two homes down there. God has absolutely blessed and led in providing people, um, and we'll talk a little bit uh, in, uh, in a minute about money, but um, I want, each time that we're up here, I, I want to try to help you understand what goes on when we're down there in Mexico. And last uh, week or two ago, we had the Norris family come up and they just shared 
personally, kind of what is this experience like for them, for the Mexican family that, uh, families that we build homes for? So what I'm going to read uh, today, this is a, um, an email uh, that I asked him to send us. Uh, this is from Ruben Rivera, and we built a house for Ruben and his family back in 2016. And it was really quite a remarkable story, both leading up to us building that house and how the Lord used that home in this family's life. And this is their family's testimony. So I'm just going to read his email. Hello, God bless you. We are the Rivera Marquez family. I hope you are all very well, and it is an honor for us to be able to share a little of our history with you. In 2010, we arrived in Tijuana. Our intention was to cross into the U.S. That's why they went to Tijuana. We never imagined that we would end up living in this city, and we did not know that God had other plans than ours. The first years here in Tijuana were very difficult for us. From 2010 to 16, they had to move eight times, and it was very difficult for them to find housing with reasonable rent, and they uh, found it was, uh, they were kicked out of their homes for unjust reasons and asked to vacate their house, and it made them very, he says, very sad. And we knew that when our children played, people would get upset, and in many rental places, they would not accept children. In March 2015, we began to attend a church called All People's Church in Tijuana, and a friend from our church knew the complications and needs we were going through, and she contacted us with a person who had land for sale, and that is how we managed to obtain our own ground. And you're looking at the little plot of land that they uh, bought. I still remember that God put favor in front of us so that we could negotiate with only $200 of a down payment when $500 was normally necessary. And from that first day we were here, we prayed to God that my wife and my children and I held our hands and we asked God that everything be as he wanted. At that moment, God's plan for our life began, and we did not know it. I can say that from the moment we surrendered our lives to God, we began to experience his love, peace, protection, and his provision in a supernatural way. The day we made the purchase sale contract, we decided to come to live on the land because we could no longer afford paying for the land and rent every month. In order to live there, a friend lent us a six-foot by nine-foot camper trailer or a little camper you'll see it in that photo that's one of those things you put in the back of a pickup so that's where they lived that house behind it is what we built that wasn't there so they were all living in that little camper my children they had to sleep one on top of another because there was very little space for my wife who was pregnant my four children and me all in there Um, at that time my wife heard about a ministry called YWAM And it was the beginning of a wonderful story. This letter would not be enough for me to talk about all the details that marked our lives. But one day they sent the material with which they would build our house. And two days later, a group of beautiful people arrived who told us about God. They told us how great and good God is. And they told us how much God loved us through his book, his smile, And then they worked together as a team and built the walls of our house. And these wonderful people came from the Ojai Valley. 
Those days were so joyful for us. We couldn't believe what we were seeing. And on Sunday afternoon, when the Ojai Valley group gave us the keys to the house, this is the family receiving the keys to the house. They prayed for us and they left. And I told my wife, this is a dream come true. At night, while walking inside the house, I was still in awe, and I couldn't help crying again and again as I watched my three boys hugging and sleeping peacefully in their new bed, and they fell asleep in their paint-filled YWAM t-shirts that they had helped to paint. And that night, I knew that we had found a great light from God at the end of a tunnel. Personally, it has been one of the happiest days of my life. How I wrote it at the beginning, here only began God's plan for us. Since then, we decided to obey and to say yes to God in all that is his will. In 2017, we started a life group in our house. Until today, this is the place where the light of God shines in the dark, and many families and individuals have experienced freedom and hope in their lives as they encounter God and salvation through their faith in Jesus. And they did that in this home. They held home groups. They evangelized in their neighborhood. They were the light of Jesus in the neighborhood based on the house that we built them. In 2019, my family and I had the privilege of being in Peru on a short-term mission trip. And since then, God has placed in our hearts the people not reached by the gospel from the high Andean areas of Peru and the jungle regions. And we are, they are considering actually looking to move to Peru. And we know this is only the beginning of great things that God will do. So thank you very much, Ojai Valley family, for sowing in eternity, for being part of our history, for being part of our lives. The kingdom of God will spread and the glory of it will not stop. That, that's, uh, that's why we go to Mexico. Um, so um, how you can help. We've got plenty of people. If you still want to go, let me know. You know, we're not full, but we've got a full team. But ways that you can support us now is you can pray. Uh, we will be doing some fundraising activities in the upcoming weeks. And um, that is how you can really help us out. Um, relative to fundraising, um, Eileen, if you'll put up that slide, our need is $27,000. That's just the cost of two homes that we'll build over the course of a week. So far, as of a couple days ago, we'd raised 13850 So we've got about half of what we need, and praise the Lord for that. Uh, that is just awesome. So if you'd like to give, you can give uh, you know, through church, online, whatever. Just always make sure it's identified as being for Mexico or Mexico missions. Then all of that money is dedicated exclusively to this uh, opportunity. And lastly, we're going to have a little bit of fun in a week. Next Sunday, after church, bring your checkbooks and wallets and everything else. We're going to have a root beer float. Uh, we haven't done that in a long time. We're going to have a little fundraiser after church just for fun and just looking to raise, again, money towards that $27,000 goal. So, so thank you for your patience. Good morning, church. I tell you, I, you know, family service, right? Birthday wishes and everything. Have you guys got the picture of the birthday cupcakes? 
If you still got it there, you can pop back up. No pressure. There it is. Now, I totally would have licked the sprinkles like that off of the cupcakes, right, before the class got them. I just it kind of jumped out at me. I went, I've seen this before. One of those deals. Thank you. Impromptu there. I uh, want to welcome everybody who's joining us online. Uh, Mom and Dad are here today. They're not online, hanging out with us. So everybody here at the well is a great day. Our, our message today is called Words Are Powerful. Words Are Powerful. I don't believe there will be anybody listening today, present, online, or in the future that hasn't had their life affected by words they've said or words that have been said to them. So we'll get right into the scripture. Uh, Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. So breaking that down, essentially the greatest good and the greatest harm are both in the power of the tongue. The uh, geopolitical climate today, threats of war, threats of violence, nuclear attacks, chemical weapons, someone's opening their ginormous mouth every day threatening the world. Everyone is affected by it. Uh, you know, just the news cycle, it just dominates it. Last night uh, on the news was, a, and you've probably seen it yourselves, so some story of a, uh, just the latest, a, 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 a health official from the state of New York that just made some incendiary comment on a tweet. And now she's the talk of the town for a few days, right? You see this stuff, it affects people. So, you know, threatening nuclear attack, chemical weapons, all kinds of threats. Let's take a look at the first one. This is a timeless classic, right? Someone yells fire in a movie theater. This is illegal. It's been illegal. This was my, even as a kid, we'd heard this. You don't yell fire in a movie theater. Why? Because it incites terror. People run for their lives. People get trampled. It's a terrible thing. But God's word has much, much to say about the words that we share. So we've got five points today. I think there's uh, sermon notes out there for anybody who wants to take notes of the scripture that we look at. But point number one the tongue is disproportionately powerful. Let's take a look at this guy. You ever worked for this guy? Right? Coworker, somebody, somebody in charge, a teacher maybe. I had a neighbor that could have been this guy for years. Every time you said good morning, this was virtually the response you got. The leaves from your tree blew into my yard. It was always something crazy. It was always uncomfortable. You just tended to stay away from folks, if you can, that speak that way to you because it hurts. It's just tough. In James 3, chapter, uh, verse 3, chapter 3, verse 3, it says, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. So the bit here is that little ring just off the corner of the mouth of that horse. It goes through to the other side. There's one on the opposite side. That's, that's, that's the extent of it. But that little bit that goes in the mouth of a horse, the rider is able to make the horse stop, make the horse turn, this mighty animal. In the Kentucky Derby, 10 furlongs is a mile and a quarter. A horse weighing some 1,100, 1,200 pounds with a 90-some pound jockey 
1973 was Secretariat. Still holds the record today at less than two minutes in that mile and a quarter. That is a mighty beast to have been controlled by a bit in its mouth. When to go, when to stop. That's what the, that's what the Lord likens the power of our tongue to. In James 3, 4, it says, look at the ships also. They are so large and are driven by strong winds. They are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. In the time of Jesus, a big boat was, um, I don't know, maybe the size of the length of this room at the most. But today, this still holds true. For example, this is the aircraft carrier USS Ronald Reagan. We had the privilege of doing an extensive tour of this vessel in 2005. It was the ninth ship in the Nimitz class. There's 10 today. At 1,090 feet long, nearly as long as the Empire State Building is tall, it stands 20 stories above the waterline. It displaces 97,000 tons with a full load. Once at sea, 120 combat aircraft depart from Naval Air Station Miramar, landing on the flight deck. 40 will remain on deck, 80 in the hangar bay, primarily F-18 Hornets. Look at this next one. When we toured, this boat was in San Diego Harbor, and the aircraft largely was gone, but there were half a dozen or so of these F-18 Hornets in the hangar bay. And uh, an 18-year-old sailor was being trained how to park those multi-million dollar planes in such a pattern that they could put 80 in the hangar bay. And that's the kind of payload on this boat. The Reagan has a crew of 6,000 sailors and airmen. Its top speed of 30 knots is about 35 miles an hour. The flight deck is four and a half acres of sovereign United States territory. The weapons include NATO Sea Sparrow missiles, rolling airframe missiles, guns, and electronic warfare. Carries enough weapons and ammunition to wage war on its own for weeks. The flight deck angle allows simultaneous launching and landing of aircraft powered by two nuclear reactors that can operate for 20 years without refueling. A little more than strong winds. Has its own McDonald's on board to complement the other six dining halls. Here's Joey sitting in the captain's chair, right? So this was pretty cool. Sitting from the seat, the pilot, as described in scripture, is able to maneuver this vessel all over the globe with a tiny comparatively rudder. The rudder is probably the size of this room if it laid flat, but given a boat that size, it's pretty tiny. In James 3.5, it says, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Well, isn't that the truth? We think of our lives, what words can, can do. Locally, our own Thomas fire, just a few years ago, over 500 homes lost in the city of Ventura, over 140 homes lost in the Upper Ojai and North Fork Springs Road areas, at least 1,063 homes and structures destroyed in both Ventura and Santa Barbara counties. 
just weeks following the fire, 21 fatalities and two missing persons, 129 more homes destroyed, 307 left severely damaged by a debris flow in a burn area of Montecito as a half an inch of rain fell in just five minutes or the equivalent of six inches of rain in just an hour. This is a mighty disaster from a disproportionately small spark from a power transformer. That's how powerful the Lord says our words can be in people's lives. Do I have an image of that back there? Somehow I didn't put it in my piece. There you go. That was uh, Highway 150 between East Ojai and trying to go over the hill in the midst of that. Started from sparks from a power transformer. We have another one that went with that. There you go. That's not the power transformer, but essentially that's what happened in a high wind situation. The sparks that fall ignited all of that. And the words that we use, Jesus tells us, is devastating to that. It's an exceptionally vivid description how our Heavenly Father describes the power of our tongue. Point two, the tongue wreaks havoc at church. James 3, verses 1 and 2. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble, that translates the Greek into offend in many ways, if anyone does not stumble or offend in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to also bridle his whole body. But we know this is biblical sarcasm because nobody can do that, right? We will all stumble in our words. It's not only the preacher who can stumble in words at church. We talked about this a little earlier, right? There's just one way, seems innocent enough, Hey, good to see you. Nice for you to join us. This is where I sit. <laughs> Find somebody else just as, a, just as an example. But uh, how about Bible studies? I've done enough of them over the years in various places. Certainly not Bible studies at this church. However, things can be said that offend. People, things can be said that, that destroys friendships. Youth group, right? Jordan back there, nod your head, right? Things can be said. Things can be said that really set things off, and we need to watch what we say. Kingdom kids. Kids say things. Instructors say things. Things get said to the kids that go back to mom and dad. We always have to watch it. Very powerful. Just conversing with the brothers and sisters. How we dress, right? People will make comments about what we're wearing at church. I've talked to some folks in Bible studies at this church that have Incredible testimonies about how badly they were hurt decades ago by people that had things to say about that. How about our kids' behavior? Anybody ever comment on kids' behavior to a parent, offend, right? It's tough. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. That translates in the Greek as a storyteller or a talebearer, right? Have we ever seen these type of people in the church? Oh, there's Enid Strick, the church lady, right? Church chat. 
This was a funny, right, from Saturday Night Live, but that's the example. The reason we all laughed is because we'd all seen that type of activity. She heard people's feelings, right? She'd say, you know, what caused that? And she'd say, do you think it was Satan? Right? Get all involved in people's lives. In, in James, again, chapter 1, verse 26, if anyone thinks he is religious, that translates in the Greek to serving God. If anyone thinks he's serving God and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion, their service to God, is worthless. Wow, that's tough. There's a lot of places that we serve God that we need to question. Now about mission trips, right? Somebody goes on the mission trip, they're building the house in Mexico. Who's this Mark barking out orders, right? They're gonna, they could say anything that just causes rocks the apple cart and something like that. We constantly need to be aware of it. Again, the Bible studies, what we say to one another, someone... Bible study is for us to learn and to grow our knowledge of our Savior. And not everybody that comes to Bible study knows everything. I know I don't. I learn oftentimes from the study as well. And again, the youth events. In James chapter 3, verse 6, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. That's powerful stuff. There's scripture concerning what we say, how we communicate with each other, how we talk to each other all through scripture because it's a problem. Let's take a look at this guy. There is definitely a tongue of fire. Who knows what this guy's spewing, but he's hurting people, you can bet. Point three, the tongue is humanly untamable. Think about that for a minute. All of the creatures on this planet that can be tamed. James 3, verses 7 and 8. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Again, an illustration. In today's world, television programs, trained animals, things that we've seen, it's pretty incredible when you can get a you know, grizzly bear to cuddle up with a kid on the screen. That took some work but we can't tame the tongue. Man cannot tame the tongue. Let's look at this one. Here's one of my favorite events, right? That is an untamed bronking buck. And this guy's gonna hang on for dear life for eight seconds. This is untamed. But that same animal with training, we would put our beloved children and grandchildren on these and take pictures of them. Let them walk around and stand. This is. This is an animal that in the previous shot would be one that would, would do severe damage and injury. But we can make that training. Again, bears, lions, tigers, the axe where you've got the tires jump, jumping through the hoops with a, with a crowd of people sitting there watching it. It can go sideways, but we can't tame the tongue. Point four, 
the written word can be just as devastating. I don't want to pick on any one deal in particular, but we'll call it Insta, Snap, Twit, Friend, Face, Link, Blog. I don't know what this looks like, but there's all kinds of possibilities here, right? How many relationships have been destroyed by these forums? Uh, in my industry, we have a, a discussion list, and I was um, required, if you will, to be participating in it when I served on the board of directors. And this discussion list was within my industry, people that service fireplaces and chimneys and do fire loss investigations and so forth from all over the country. Hundreds and hundreds of, of people participated. And it was designed so that someone could ask an innocent question, hey, can somebody tell me how to do this? Or how do you all handle a situation like that? It turned so vile so quickly. Someone would make their recommendation or give their insight. Immediately, somebody would come back you know, don't capitalize, don't put explanation points. This means you're yelling, you'd get all these instructions. But people would be hurt. People just wouldn't ask again. People would just go away. This thing happened over and over. I was guilty of following this. If I responded to someone's question, I became consumed with having to go back multiple times a day and check the forum to see if anybody had responded with something nasty, right? It was an uncomfortable thing. Friendships, as we grow older and we move away and people we went to school with, people we worked with, you know, you can go on these forums and everybody knows that you like strawberry ice cream. And there's going to be somebody that's got something to say about strawberry ice cream. And it's going to hurt your feelings. And you're going to feel bad. There's no mechanism on there to do anything but have a back and forth that's uncomfortable. Marriages, my goodness, the stories I've heard of marriages that have been destroyed by one party or another, uh, finding an old high school boyfriend, girlfriend, somebody online, striking up conversation, bad things can happen with that. Careers, there's another one. You know, if you just Google search careers that have been destroyed by social media, it goes on and on and on. You know, a lot of employers today in the application process seek information from your social media so they can see what kind of person is applying for the work. And people won't get a job because of crazy stuff they have on social media. The words that they've used have damaged themselves primarily in their activities. Uh, I remember an instance at... Um, at the high school where a teacher on campus had a Facebook page that many of the young people had access to that had published photographs of herself partying with underage kids and drinking. And this is something that destroyed a career there. There were some, uh, it's countless. This goes on and on. God knows us. God knows everything in our lives that has happened, going to happen, before it happens. In Psalm 139, verses 1 through 4, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. 
You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path with my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. This is a challenge. God knows. He wants us to rely on him. He wants us to seek his wisdom before we speak. God cares. John 3:16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. How much more could he love us than to give up his son? I love all of you all, but I'm not going to give up one of mine. But he did for all of us. And it's it's over the top love. God is willing to help us. Luke 11, 9 and 10. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Now this isn't some sort of a prosperity gospel. This is the believer who's committed to Christ and knows that Christ is going to provide what they need. And when they ask for something that's needed, he is going to provide it. God is able. He's able. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. He can do it. He can do it. If we stumble in this area of word, if we stumble with how we communicate with people, cause destruction in others' lives, cause destruction in our own life, he's able to help. God will help those who believe. And of course, we know that belief translates in the Greek as committed. When he is your Lord and Savior, he is able and willing. That's the good news. We don't have to struggle in this. For the believer, there is help to call on Christ and ask for him to intervene. I have situations every day with customers, phone calls, whatever, before I go into anybody's home to work, I constantly ask the Father to be his words, for me to speak as he would have me to speak. Because it's so easy for me, a former sarcastic kid, now probably a sarcastic adult, to flippantly respond to somebody and do damage to them, to hurt them, myself, my career, my upbringing, my, my livelihood. Exodus 4, verses 10 through 12. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? 
Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. Boy, amen. Because I certainly can't control it. I can't control you. I can't control me. I need his guidance and his wisdom. And he's telling us who created you. I can do it. So seek God's wisdom and direction first. Respond later. Here's this guy, right? He's got his device. He's probably just written some terrible text on there, a response to a, an email or something. Man, he's fired up. He's going to send it off. Let's ask for God's wisdom before we do that. Let's take a step back, type something up, read it again and again. I can't tell you how many times I've just deleted and just decided not to do it at all. Wisdom. Point five. The tongue can both curse and bless. It's not all bad. James 3, 9 through 12. With it, the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse. That's to doom, not necessarily. They're neither one good, but this one means a curse to doom. People who are made in the likeness of God, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so, but they are. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. It's like a two-headed monster, the tongue. Now, these guys are all good, Sesame Street fans. There's the two-headed monster. It's worse than that. That's the funny side. However, it's one of those things we can either curse or we can bless. Last weekend, I had the honor of attending a men's conference in Fraser Park that I've attended a half a dozen times over the last few years. At this conference, there's, there was 180 men that were at this camp, and we stayed a couple of nights in cabins and whatnot. 80 of those 180 men were first-time brothers, had never been. Of the, those 80 brothers are all in a chapel. The rest of the men are serving either within the chapel at their tables or cooking or cleaning or, or logistics or something around the camp. But those 80 new men not saying that they're all not saved, but a lot of them were not. We never know the makeup from event to event. The words in their lives that have devastated them, devastated their families. I would say over half of the men had devastated marriages. They may still be married, but they really had had some big problems there. And we had opportunity to let them share maybe for the first time at a table with men They'd never known, never seen before. Gave them a little freedom to really talk about what was going on. And this subject is what devastated and destroyed their lives. Relationships with their children, relationships with their siblings, with their spouses, many, many times. I, uh, I love the opportunity to help guide those men in that atmosphere where they really think that there's no hope, 
how God got him up on that mountain is individually unique mystery all the way along. But there was one man who sat at my table who had a toxic relationship with his parents. His father was abusive. His mother tolerated the abuse from the father. And here's a man that was in his early 40s who had no relationship with his parents at all because he couldn't put himself in that position. He's having a difficult time and confusion of forgiving his father, whom he hadn't seen in many years. And he didn't understand that he had the ability to forgive him in Christ by example, but that that didn't translate necessarily into restoration, that he could still keep the barriers up of protection and that that could come later. We can all forgive, and it is difficult. There are things that are said and issues in a, in a family and in the world and at work and, and with friends that are just devastating, but we can forgive. It doesn't mean that we have to restore the relationship to what it once was. I want to talk a minute about tone because tone is also very important. Guilty of this again. How many have ever said, uh, made an apology like, oh, I'm sorry, yeah, right? It's not as good as I'm sorry. Just our tone. We've all done this. We've all received this. Very important the way we say things in our sincerity. I, uh, again, at this, at this program, we, we get to eat together as a group of men, oftentimes with people from the table, others that we know at the camp and whatnot. I've, uh, I've got another shot here. Here's Bill and I chowing down to lunch, I think, on one of the days. It's just these men have 48 hours with Jesus and with a bunch of godly men to be encouraged that they can come home off of this mountain and mend their lives. This is the chapel. I think given that there's probably 125 or so in that, in that building at the same time. They're worshiping together. Many of these men have no church background at all. They leave that atmosphere so pumped up to get off that mountain and go home and change the way they communicate to their wife. It's just astonishing. I, uh, I'm never, uh, never more amazed than to see. We had in the chapel, and we, we, we call everybody in, a, uh, in an atmosphere that doesn't know Jesus and ask them if they'd like to invite him into their heart. We had upwards of 50 of these men give their lives to Christ on Saturday night in the chapel upwards of 50. It's the most I've ever seen. And that's based largely on the makeup of who the new brothers were, in my opinion. Some, you don't have to be a non-believer to come and be a new brother. So if that demographic is more or less, it's going to affect those numbers. But it was really incredible, really powerful to see 50 men turn their lives over to Christ. The words that we use hurt each other. There may be people in this room that we've hurt that are here today over time. We may not even know that we hurt them. Something to pray about. What we say, how we communicate with each other is devastating. What we do online can be devastating to your marriage, again, your friendships, your career, devastating. In a moment, 
we're going to take communion as a church family. In front of you, you have your little cup. You can unloose the bread before the wine there. And we're going to be remembering Jesus and what he's done for us. If you are a believer, you have this tremendous resource, this tremendous resource to be able to call on him for help. He will help you. If a situation is out there where you need to communicate in a difficult situation and you can ask the Lord to come and and guard your mouth, I promise you he'll do it. But we need to call on him. This is not a resource that someone that doesn't have a personal relationship with Christ has an opportunity to do. They just don't. But it's so easy, so easy to start that relationship today. If you're here, if you're joining us online, pray this prayer with me, please. Father, I know that I'm a sinner. Specifically today, I'm recalling and being convicted by words I've said, by words that have been said to me, by devastation in my life. I want to be able to call on you. I want to be able to rely on your promise to guide my life. I know that you came to this earth to pay the price of my sin. You died on the cross and rose on the third day. You sit at the right hand of the Father. Lord, I want you to take over. I want you to to convict me in all things that I'm saying, writing, necessities of being online, all of it. I want you to guide my life. I pray these things in your name. Amen. So he will do it, folks. He will step in. He will take over. He will take charge. We just have to ask him. We just have to realize we are not God. We don't just speak on our own. I do this all too frequently. I'm not any better position than anybody else. My mouth and the words I say can be just as devastating. But I have learned to trust and learned and known that he's there to help me. He's there to make that happen. And you don't have to be alone. You don't have to rely on your own resources. You can take moments to ask for his guidance, to ask for all of his support, his knowledge, his love. He doesn't want us to communicate with each other in this fashion. He wants us to prevent it. That's why the this is so prevalent in Scripture, the instruction of what that looks like. Well, hello, everyone. Good morning. Just a couple announcements for youth. First one's kind of sad. We are not meeting this Wednesday for Crossroads. But we will meet after the next week. Um, and another exciting thing is we had our uh, youth event to Defy, um, which is not as bad as it sounds. It's actually a really cool, um, how would I call it, foam pit jump house. And so we have some photos. This is all of us beforehand when we were full of energy and excited. Uh, and then, so yeah, they had a rock wall. And of course, you see all that colorful stuff that's foam. You fall and you're like, yay, I didn't get hurt, but it's so hard to get out of the foam. 
Um, so if you ever go, just know you have to like roll over it to the side to get out. Uh, here's a picture of the girls. And look, they're smiling. But this is like towards the end. And as soon as the photo was done, they were like dead tired. Um, and then we got us, the guys. Serious face. Yes. So yes. Yeah, so they, they give you grippy socks, you know, because you're bouncing on trampolines, all that fun stuff. Uh, so we had a blast. It was two hours, uh, and we were, we were tired, and we definitely enjoyed some in and out afterwards, and it was just a fun youth event. So uh, that's all I have for youth. So, Mark, take it away. Thank you. Um, just some uh, reminders. Um, we have, again, if you're new with us, whether you're online or here in person, just by ways of being able to communicate and know what's going on at the well, we have welcome cards in the back of your uh, seats, and we'd love to get to know you, and if you want to give us that information, we would appreciate that. We have an app that you can uh, get, and uh, a church email list that you can be on, and a very informative website, and if you need help with any of that stuff, you can see Jordan, who was just up here announcing youth-related stuff stuff. Um, also, just about giving, again, just thank you so much for your generosity. And just to remind you, you can give here in the boxes by each door. You can mail. And actually, more and more people are giving online. That's a really effective way to do it as well. want to remind you just about some upcoming events. The Good Friday service at Libby Bowl is on the 15th of April at 630. Um, I'm guessing that we are still uh, looking for volunteers to help with um, doing communion. If you'd like to help with that, you could see Tyler Larson. Um, next, uh, our Easter celebration is going to be obviously on Easter, and uh, we invite you to join with us. Um, afterwards, we're going to be having a, a very fun-filled egg hunt, and the next slide will just remind you that we are still looking for uh, donations of pre-filled Easter eggs. So that's like go to the store and they already have something in it. Okay, so that's what if you want to buy those and uh, donate those for the egg hunt, that would be great. Um, the grief and loss group that uh, started sometime in the last year here in Ojai, it's down, meets down at the Baptist Church just down the street. They normally meet on Tuesdays. Nor, and just this week only, they actually had to move it till Wednesday. So the meeting is at Wednesday, this Wednesday, 4 to 5, down at the Baptist Church, just to update you in case you are uh, participating in that. Um, the last uh, little group of messages, I'm sorry, uh, announcements have to do with Mexico. As you might know, there's now 21 of us who are going to Mexico from May 8th uh, to the 14th to build two homes down there. God has absolutely blessed and led in providing people, um, and we'll talk a little bit uh, in, uh, in a minute about money, but um, I want, each time that we're up here, I, I want to try to help you understand what goes on when we're down there in Mexico. And last uh, week or two ago, we had the Norris family come up and they just shared personally kind of what is this experience like for them, for the Mexican family that, uh, families that we build homes for. So what I'm going to read uh, today, this is a, um, an email uh, that I asked him to send us. Uh, this is from Ruben Rivera, and we built a house for Ruben and his family back in 2016. And it was really quite a remarkable story, both leading up to us building that house and how the Lord used that home in this family's life. And this is their family's testimony. So I'm just going to read his email. Hello, God bless you. We are the Riv Rivera Marquez family. I hope you are all very well, and it is an honor for us to be able to share 
a little of our history with you. In 2010, we arrived in Tijuana. Our intention was to cross into the U.S. That's why they went to Tijuana. We never imagined that we would end up living in this city, and we did not know that God had other plans than ours. The first years here in Tijuana were very difficult for us. From 2010 to 16, they had to move eight times, and it was very difficult for them to find housing with reasonable rent, and they uh, found it was, uh, they were kicked out of their homes for unjust reasons and asked to vacate their house, and it made them very, he says, very sad. And we knew that when our children played, people would get upset, and in many rental places, they would not accept children. In March 2015, we began to attend a church called All People's Church in Tijuana, and a friend from our church knew the complications and needs we were going through, and she contacted us with a person who had land for sale, and that is how we managed to obtain our own ground. And you're looking at the little plot of land that they uh, bought. I still remember that God put favor in front of us so that we could negotiate with only $200 of a down payment when 500 was normally necessary. And from that first day we were here, we prayed to God that my wife and my children and I held our hands and we asked God that everything be as he wanted. At that moment, God's plan for our life began, and we did not know it. I can say that from the moment we surrendered our lives to God, we began to experience his love, peace, protection, and his provision in a supernatural way. The day we made the purchase sale contract, we decided to come to live on the land because we could no longer afford paying for the land and rent every month. In order to live there, a friend lent us a six-foot by nine-foot camper trailer, or a little camper. You'll see it in that photo. It's one of those things you put in the back of a pickup. So that's where they lived. That house behind it is what we built. That wasn't there. So they were all living in that little camper. My children, they had to sleep one on top of another because there was very little space for my wife who was pregnant, my four children, and me, all in there. Um, At that time, my wife heard about a ministry called YWAM, and it was the beginning of a wonderful story. This letter would not be enough for me to talk about all the details that marked our lives, but one day they sent the material with which they would build our house, and two days later, a group of beautiful people arrived who told us about God. They told us how great and good God is, and they told us how much God loved us through his book, his smile, and then they worked together as a team and built the walls of our house, and these wonderful people came from the Ojai Valley. Those days were so joyful for us. We couldn't believe what we were seeing. And on Sunday afternoon, when the Ojai Valley group gave us the keys to the house, this is the family receiving the keys to the house. They prayed for us, and they left. And I told my wife, this is a dream come true. At night, while walking inside the house, I was still in awe, and I couldn't help crying again and again as I watched my three boys hugging and sleeping peacefully 
in their new bed and they fell asleep in their paint-filled YWAM t-shirts that they had helped to paint. And that night I knew that we had found a great light from God at the end of a tunnel. Personally, it has been one of the happiest days of my life. How I wrote it at the beginning, here only began God's plan for us. Since then, we decided to obey and to say yes to God in all that is his will. In 2017, we started a life group in our house. Until today, this is the place where the light of God shines in the dark, and many families and individuals have experienced freedom and hope in their lives as they encounter God and salvation through their faith in Jesus. And they did that in this home. They held home groups. They evangelized in their neighborhood. They were the light of Jesus in the neighborhood based on the house that we built them. In 2019, my family and I had the privilege of being in Peru on a short-term mission trip. And since then, God has placed in our hearts the people not reached by the gospel from the high Andean areas of Peru and the jungle regions. And we are, they are considering actually looking to move to Peru. And we know this is only the beginning of great things that God will do. So thank you very much, Ojai Valley family, for sowing in eternity for being part of our history, for being part of our lives. The kingdom of God will spread and the glory of it will not stop. That, that's, uh, that's why we go to Mexico. Um, so um, how you can help. We've got plenty of people. If you still wanna go, let me know. You know we're not full, but we've got a full team. But ways that you can support us now is you can pray. Uh, we will be doing some fundraising activities in the upcoming weeks, and um, that is how you can really help us out. Um, relative to fundraising, um, Eileen, if you'll put up that slide, our need is $27,000. That's just the cost of two homes that we'll build over the course of a week. So far, as of a couple days ago, we'd raised 13850 So we've got about half of what we need, and praise the Lord for that. Uh, that is just awesome. So if you'd like to give, you can give, uh, you know, through church, online, whatever. Just always make sure it's identified as being for Mexico or Mexico missions. Then all of that money is dedicated exclusively to this uh, opportunity. And lastly, we're going to have a little bit of fun in a week. Next Sunday, after church, bring your checkbooks and wallets and everything else. We're going to have a root beer float. Uh, we haven't done that in a long time. We're going to have a little fundraiser after church just for fun and just looking to raise, again, money towards that $27,000 goal. So, so thank you for your patience.